Welcome to Broadway World, something like a pop podcast. I am Matt Timonini. On our last regular episode, my co-host Jennifer McHugh and I teased that we would be catching up on a bet that I lost to her, in which I will be watching the first season of the sci-fi television show Battlestar Galactica. Jen and I both watched the first two hour-and-a-half-long miniseries episodes so that we could discuss it for the podcast. However, in the previous episode, we spent a little bit more time talking about the four biggest movies of the summer, that we decided to take the BSG talk and spin it off into its own mini-episode. So, after you listen to our discussion about Battlestar Galactica, go back an episode in the feed, and then listen to us talk about Wonder Woman, Spider-Man Homecoming, Baby Driver, and The Big Sick. This is also a great time to go out and see The Big Sick. It's the only one that isn't a huge blockbuster, but because of the fantastic word of mouth during limited release, it did earn a complete nationwide release. It is a fantastic film. Highly recommend if you have some time, go see it before it's gone. Okay, now here's our discussion about the first two miniseries episodes of Battlestar Galactica. All right, Jen, we ended the last segment talking about awards and Academy Awards. And that's actually a fairly apropos transition here because our next segment is going to be kind of a check-in on a bet that we made. As we often do on the show, you and I make predictions on award ceremonies, the Emmys, and the Oscars, and we always have some sort of bet that goes with it. I've never won one of those. Even though generally we are very close within a handful, one or two predictions, um, you always win, as you did with this past February's Academy Awards, you won, and the bet that we made was that the winner got to pick a season of television for the other one to watch. Something that they haven't watched, but we think they might enjoy. Jen, you selected the 2004 series Battlestar Galactica. This is a a little bit weird because how they actually did it was they started with two hour and a half miniseries movies. I don't know if that's the exact way to categorize it. Then it went into a full season. We are kind of going to go through this occasionally between now and the next Academy Awards. Catching up on it, seeing where we stand We have so far watched those first two hour and a half miniseries episodes. Jen, did you, you did go ahead and watch both of them, right? I did, yes. Okay, so we have both watched them recently. Jen, since this is your bet win, I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of lead the discussion on this. um, And we can see what we thought. Well, I think at the time, it got a bad rap because it's, it was a sci-fi show and it was billed as science fiction, but it's really a political drama in my opinion. And it was funny rewatching it to see just how eerie it is that it still is relevant, you know, what, 13, 14 years later. So you said you had never watched it. I really wanted you to see it just for some of the uh, themes and the storylines and the performances that you skipped over. So, that as you said, this it began with t- like a mini series, two parts, an hour and a half each, which we both watched, and it's kind of the introduction to the world. It begins with the retirement of Commander Adama, which is Edward James Olmos. We're introduced to him as this revered commander of this Battlestar ship called the Galactica. As it introduces the characters and the situations, I just wanted to know what your thoughts were when you watched this. First thing that in some of the first early scenes, because what's happening, as you said, not only is uh, the commander of the Battlestar Galactica retiring, but they're actually retiring the ship and turning it into a museum. 
as I started to see this world and as they went to Caprica, one of these home planets that this fleet is from, I kind of got some Starship Troopers vibes, which is not the best thing. It's not the worst thing, but I just kind of felt like, I mean, they're, they're only five, six years apart from when Starship Troopers came out and Battlestar Galactic aired, but I kind of got that feeling from that. So I was like, huh, what is this going to be? Is it going to be one of those sci-fi shows that's cheesy and made really cheaply and is really just kind of the, the sci-fi part of it is just an excuse to do some weird things with makeup? Or is it going to have a little bit more depth? It didn't take long, Jen, for me to realize that there was a lot more depth to this show. Interestingly enough, not unlike Baby Driver that we just talked about, there is a pretty long tracking shot in that opening uh, scene or two as well, which I was like, okay, they're not just doing the same thing over and over again. Anytime you can do one of these long tracking shots where you pick up characters and then they meet and then you switch and they pass each other, it shows me that there's something interesting going on from a direction standpoint. So that immediately made me sit up. As we start getting into more of the characters, you start to see that there's some very interesting things going on. Another thing that really made me interested was that it was obvious that this was not, how should I say this? It was not today's military because whether or not the commanding officer was a man or a woman, they called them all sir, which I thought was really interesting and a nice little nod to this being something different than where we are today. But I thought the characters were really interesting. I, I don't if we're just talking about characters, they were it was a really cool palette of different kind of people to play with. Not exactly revelatory in terms of the type of characters you would see in a military thing or a science fiction thing, but they were interesting. Um, and the the performances were good. If you want to talk a little bit more about plot, we can do that. But I think from the early goings, I felt like, okay, this is something that's trying for something different than what we generally see out of these types of things. Basically, it's the humans created the Cylons, and they are robots <laughs> at the very core of it. And at some point, the Cylons turned against them, and it was man versus robot. We all know it's coming. Let's get prepared. Then they decided to call a truce. And everybody was fine for many, many years. I think they said it was 40 years. Correct. Out of nowhere, at the, the annual peace accords that the Silens never attend, they show up and they start a war again, which forces Commander Adama to not retire to save the Galactica because now it's the only surviving ship and they have to jump back into this war when all these people have been trained for combat for so many years, but they've never been in combat because it's been at peace. They're thrown into the thrust of it. So I thought it was a great allegory for the dangers of complacency that we've kind of seen throughout the past year of this political climate. Hmm. And also the terrifying notion that if enough people die in the cabinet, Betsy DeVos will become president. <laughs> well, that's actually something that I wrote down, too. It is kind of like designated survivor in space, because what happens is because everybody dies on the home planet, the secretary of education is promoted to president. She's played by Mary McDonnell seems to be a lot more on top of her game than Betsy DeVos would be. Yes, but I, heaven help us if that actually happens. No way meant to compare Rosalind to Betsy DeVos because Rosalind no. is one of my favorite characters ever. Yeah, she's the, the character is great. Jen, one of the things that really, as you said, it really starts to hit home as these first two miniseries episodes go on is the fact that this is space, so there are people on ships not in the areas that are bombed and destroyed. So there are people floating around in ships, and they do effectively become refugees. And part of the decisions that have to be made with this new president 
with Commander Adama, who's, you know, really been operating a ship in peacetime. They have to make really tough decisions about who do they save, who do they not save, who do they go off and fight and try to battle these Cylon battleships, or do they try to get out and preserve humanity? Um, it really raises a lot of questions that are very poignant today, going through all of the discussions that we have on a regular basis in our society about refugees and humanity and compassion versus retaliatory strikes and things like that. It it really did hit home in a lot of ways, which obviously they could not have foretold 13, 14 years ago. But it's another kind of reminder that, hey, art's pretty awesome because they often hit on truths that there's no way that they could foresee. And it, it really did put it in a much different perspective for me. And I've got to say, Jen, as we're going through these first three hours, as we're seeing these characters develop, as we're getting to know them a little more, trying to see a little bit into the backstories of how they got to the Galactica, there's a lot of heartbreaking stuff that goes on in there. And there's a lot of moments where I'm not going to, I'm not ashamed. I teared up multiple times in that second miniseries episode where you don't expect that from a sci-fi you know, kind of shoot them up intergalactic space opera. I'm glad to hear that. I think they did a great job of introducing the characters so well that you're immediately attached to them. And it also, much the way Rosalind was thrust into her position, you're kind of thrust into this world where like, okay, in this very second, I have to decide who's going to live and who's going to die and I can't look back. And so it's, you know, it's very gut punching. So I'm glad that you reacted that way. We should also mention that the trouble with this war is that since the since the peacetime, the Cylons have found a way to make human hybrids. So now Cylons look like humans instead of like robots. And that's revealed that this gorgeous, tall, blonde, leggy model played by Trisha Helfer, uh, she's referred to as number six. And she, we find out that there are 12 human models and she is number six. So throughout the series, we have to figure out who the other 11 models are. By the end of the miniseries, we know four of them. We know number six. We know Leoben, who is at some point takes Adama kind of hostage, but in a strange way. They suspect someone on board to be a Cylon, and thankfully they were correct, and his name is Doral. And at the very end, we're left with the big shocker that one of, oh. them, one of their best pilots, Boomer, is also a Cylon model. So throughout the series... And I know who they are. So it's interesting to watch it with the perspective now. And I know you don't know who they are. No idea. You're going to find out who are actually Cylons and who are actually humans. And you don't find out until like the last season. You find a few out along the way. Right. But the reveal of those other models is what makes this show pretty great. The reveal of Boomer I was not ready for. Mainly because one of the times that I teared up earlier in that miniseries episode is when, after being off Galactica, she comes back and her and her secret boyfriend reunite. It's this really emotional thing, and they have this big reunion, and they're hugging and kissing something they've never been able to do in public before. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then you turn out she's a freaking Cylon. That's not cool. Not, not cool at all, Jen. Oh, and I, I'm very excited for the reveal of the others because they are heartbreaking as well. I also wanted to point out the music. The music was a big star of this show because they focus a lot on drums. That's a lot of the score. And at the height of its popularity, the composer Bear McCreary, who also did the music for The Walking Dead, uh, he held a concert here in L.A. 
in which they played the score. And it was emceed for the night by Dr. Gaius Baltar. And here I am standing in the Roxy surrounded by all these sci-fi nerds chanting, so say we all, because, you know, we got beat up in high school. But uh, the music <laughs> as it goes becomes like you start to notice it more and more, you know, when the drums are coming in, like something's going down. So it's really enjoyable. I hope that you notice that too. Yeah, I didn't notice it, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for it. It's been really hard to kind of talk about the show and see things that I'm like, oh, that's that actor. Where have I seen him before? And to try to avoid spoilers on Wikipedia. So I've done a, I've done a pretty, I don't know any of the other Cylons or anything. I've avoided all that, but I'm trying to avoid looking as much as possible. But that's interesting. I'll keep the, the music in mind. And I have to say, Jen, the miniseries both were released in December of 2003. The series picked up uh, officially in 2004. But I got to say, the graphics are really impressive for something, you know, what, 12 and a half or 13 and a half years ago. Like the outer space stuff, the fighting, the all that stuff. I was actually pretty impressed with how well that holds up compared to the stuff that we would see now. Especially for the sci-fi network, which I'm sure didn't have a lot of money when they, because that was in their mm-hmm. early years. I think Battlestar Galactica kind of almost validated them as a, a station that can produce good original content. So I think this was kind of the jumping off point for them. Yeah, I mean, they've been around for a for a long, long time, but I think they pretty much just ran old schlocky stuff. And and I think that's uh, this is definitely one of the first programs that I think for them that hit big. So this definitely changed the way uh, that people looked at sci-fi. It was the sci-fi network. Now it's just sci-fi. But yeah, I, I'm hooked. I mean, like, I think this is a, a a part of my nerd culture resume that I didn't have before. And I'm excited to get into it. We're going to continue through the rest of season one from now until, you know, whenever we finish it. But definitely before the next Academy Awards, we can wrap up this this thing. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to kind of seeing where obviously the big reveals of who the Cylons are, but just some of the storylines. I'm really kind of taken with the look at society and humanity and people and relationships that these first two hour and a half episodes have set up because I think when sci-fi stuff is done well it can really illuminate things that happen in real life and can really illuminate points in real life because there is so much distance created by the sci-fi part of it that it allows you to see what's going on in your real world without having to be beaten over the head by it I think we should do a check-in when you finish season one and I'll keep up with okay. it as well. And I also kind of want to check in with you if you have any suspicions at who Cylons could be. Okay. I will. We will do that, and we'll give updates as we move forward throughout the next six months or so. Sounds good. See, it wasn't a bad pick. No, and that's what I think. You know, we, Jen, we give each other crap all, all the time, and we mentioned this in our last episode, but, like, we, because we love pop culture so much, we want not only each other, but everybody to enjoy the things that they watch. I always go into everything, whether it's a, a movie or a TV show or a play, wanting to love it. And and I think you're the same way. And, and when you recommend somebody, as you said last time, it's a big responsibility. So I knew if you were going to make me watch something, that it was going to be something that you hoped that I enjoyed as much as you did as well. I definitely think this was a huge success of a recommendation for you. Well, I hope that you enjoy it. I think from your nerd stylings, it'll be something you're very into, and I think you'll get really invested in these characters. Yeah, absolutely. The problem is that it ran for four seasons. Like, 
I have enough trouble keeping up with shows that are on now, let alone things that aired a decade ago. So I'm a little worried about trying to, you know, have to dive into something that's, you know, 13, 14 years old and still keep up with everything else that I don't have a chance to watch on a weekly basis, but we'll make it work. It's pretty addicting, though, and I still think it's Edward James almost best role. Uh, he's had a pretty, pretty damn good career, but um, from what I've seen so far, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Yeah, the old man's all right. Thanks for listening to this special mini episode of Broadway World Sound Like a Pop podcast. You can get all new episodes on broadwayworld.com, and you can get new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. So make sure to subscribe, download, and share the gift that is Sound Like a Pop. Also, do our egos a favor and follow the show on Twitter at SLIP Podcast, and go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us, please, and thank you. We invite you to get in touch with Jen and me and let us know your thoughts on the shows, movies, and topics that we discuss each and every week. You can find Jen on Twitter at EponineQ, and you can find me at BWW. M-A-T-T. We will be back next week with our very special list of Palooza in which Jen and I discuss our top 10 favorite animated features. So until then, we'll see you around the Broadway world. Mm-hmm.